welcome to Bonta Vista. I am Andrew. Um, we are here with Ben. Hello, Ben. Huh. I was yep. just really, you know, I, I, I'm confused. I'm rudderless. I thought you would have maybe set the scene or described a location or a series of circumstances. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes, as as on a recent episode, I um I come completely unstuck and I'm then made fun of for fifteen or so minutes. You mean a, my a confidence? My confidence episode. is shattered. It- confidence shattered. You can enjoy that on this week's bonus episode. Um, instead, today we're all we're being very quiet because we're inside the Australian Electoral Commission. We're hiding. And we can't in just we cupboard. can't just yammer on about it. We're in here to tear up a lot of votes today. Um, so we can't, we don't, we don't want anyone to twig. We, um, we did the classic, we did the big trouble in little China. We put on denim jackets and carried a phone with us through the door and started yelling about how it was raining outside and how we needed to look for the phone exchange because mm-hmm. we're phone repairmen. We, we let ourselves into a room, waited until everyone left for the day. And now we are hiding from a security guard trying to record an episode in between tearing up votes for the parties we don't like. Huh. Yep. We do have to be careful and be quiet, though, because there is a colossal 18-foot-tall Anthony Green um, with lightning bristling from his eyes, roaming Ooh. the halls looking for intruders. And you do not want to let him catch you. I am enjoying the thought of an Anthony Green uh, cryptid. <laughs> Lurking the halls. Just um, sorry, and I, I I know I just said Anthony Green then, like a like a huge numpty. Uh, of course, it is Anthony Green, um, and he gets very mad about that. Mm. He not immediately, very slowly uh, starts heading to your house, walking the entire way, lumbering on his giant legs, <laughs> Lum- lumbering creepily uh-huh. before electrifying you in your bed. He loves doing that one. Uh, but yeah, you don't want him to find you when you've broken in and you're doing some voter fraud. No. Uh, no, a thing that's that the is thing a very... that he hates the most. He hates people that uh, say the Malcolm Roberts 19 votes thing. He'll mm-hmm. he'll zap you for that one. He hates uh, people not understanding preferential voting. He hates it when people haven't registered to vote. But uh, voter fraud? Oof. Extra mad about that one. He comes down on you. Um, well, like an 18-foot man. Hmm. I wonder um, if he's seen the Marvin tweet. If definitely. He, if he has, yeah. If he Anthony Green specifically has seen the Marvin it. tweet. It came across his desk, uh, his huge desk, and he wept openly. Just to clarify, <laughs> this is our, our enemy of the show, a dear friend of the show, and mostly enemy, enemy of the show. Mostly enemy, show. Uh, Marvin, who uh, tweeted about working in the... Uh, Gladstone pre-polls, tearing up every vote for um, Fraser Anning's party that came through the door, um, which has been, I, I think it's been looked upon kindly. Um, we spoke it on, about it on the bonus episode, but um, I am enjoying the thought of Anthony Green just uh, fretting his electric hands over uh, seeing that tweet. I think there's a red phone on his desk with no dial on it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that just rings when it happened at the last election. When friend of the show, Dan Nolan, tweeted about, uh, oh, not the election, sorry, it's the postal vote, uh, working at Chatswood Post Office, I believe, yep. and tearing up uh, votes for no votes in the marriage equality survey. Mm-hmm. Anytime he finds out about these things, even though that was the ABS. Yep. Uh, a phone, a red phone rings in the forest, uh, 
completely empty forest. Anthony Green answers it. Appears from behind a tree. <laughs> and he begins his lumbering journey towards them. It's like uh, the March of the Ants from Lord of the Rings. Anthony Green. Uh, (laughs) you really pulled that one together at the last moment didn't you uh, well you know sometimes things just happen uh, because it's real and what we're describing is true (laughs) very real and true folks um, in case you haven't figured it out myself Ben and Theo we're here to bring you a special edition of the show Um, that's right it's an election special That's right, folks. Uh, federal now, election. a lot of people are uh, very confused now because that is specifically the boat watch theme. It's um, it's the theme for a lot of things. It's the watch theme. Real. There is no boat involved. I'll put this out there. Well, last week it was disgraced candidate watch, um, and uh-huh. and this week I guess it's um, election watch. It's very versatile. The very versatile theme. So um. So, yeah, I guess uh, we thought, seeing as we are one week out from the election or when this episode comes out, we'll be um, mere days, mere days away from the election. We thought we would weigh in with our substantial, um, hefty, throbbing election knowledge and lay some of that on you. Because if there's one thing we're all known for, it's being extremely across the details yeah, <laughs> of we, the electoral we system. Are smart, technically knowledgeable, um insiders in the political process and really we are sources of authority on this so yeah we've been getting a lot of demand for help from us <laughs> that's true that's true uh the anthony green got in touch <laughs> via his big red phone please tell the people tell the people how this works how did he dial us using the red phone mainly telepathic energy okay. yeah no that is actually form of form of telekinesis funny. Uh, via which he operates. Operating a very small switchboard with his mind. That's right. The The receiver just floats up from the cradle and hovers next to his head. As his arms just lay limp at his sides. I like to think that he's in a sort of meditative pose, lotus position, hands open, facing upwards, r- absorbing uh, the energy of the electoral process, which is what fuels his body. Mm, all of the uh, he has he has one of the uh, one of the plugs from the matrix jacked into the back of his head through which he receives a direct feed of all of like the ABS statistics and everything. They have to edit that out for the live broadcast of uh, election <laughs> night, and it is very expensive. Making him look small, not that hard. Getting rid of the matrix plug, oof, whole thing. Especially if he's moving around excitedly, and he does. Um, he's a very excitable man. It turns out that all they have to do is just build a uh, colossal set for him to stand on, mm-hmm. um, in which he then looks normal. You know, it's it's very much the inverse of like, uh, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," just building you know giant thumbtacks and uh, cockroaches and stuff on a soundstage. It's almost like what's the, what was the sequel where it was the opposite, where they honey, made blew them very up the big. Kid. Yes, it's like honey, that. was it? Honey, I blew up the baby, or Honey, I blew up. Someone got blown up. Honey, I blew up the kid. Singular. Honey, I blew up the kid. Followed by the third and final movie, The Diminishing Returns, which I believe was Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Oh, I uh, didn't realize there were three of them. There is There, there are three. There are three. It went, uh, went from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989 all the way up to 
Honey, we shrunk ourselves Honey, in 1997. My favorite thing that I that I realized about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids um, on rewatching it pretty recently <laughs> was um, as one does. As one does, a popular popular movie. It was the thing I remembered watching a bunch of times as a kid, um, and I watched it to discover that it was written by um, Stuart Gordon and Brian Usner, who made like all the reanimator movies. Wow! Um, and who made like a bunch of bunch of badass horror movies, like Fortress and shit like that. Ah, oh, Fortress. So there you go. That's its that's its strange connection uh, to some of everybody's favorite horror movies. Stuart Gordon and Brian Rosner wrote, Usner wrote the story, but they should have let Stuart Gordon direct it so that like more more arms got ripped off and shit like that. Uh, interestingly, as well, uh, the screenplay was written by Ed Naha who has written one of the seminal looks uh, on the making of the film Dune from 1984. And good on him. We congratulate him. Well done, Ed. You did it. Uh, Soon to be overtaken, though, I imagine, by a friend of the show, uh, Christian McCray. Is that his last name? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Christian Uh, McCray. I believe has a book in the works about that very film, and I can't wait to read it. Mm -hmm. So... In order to keep things moving along and reduce our chances of being discovered, yeah, I would, I would hate to uh, accidentally fill up this entire episode with banter um, about honey, a, I shrunk the kids as a cover for the fact that we don't know anything at all. Oh, well, in order to prove, in, in order to prove <laughs> that that we do in fact know a great deal, um, we're now going to throw to Theo. We'll throw to Theo, um, at which point he is going to explain the introductory concept. Of preferential voting. Now, this is main. <clears throat> this is mainly intended for, say, international listeners who don't really get what our whole deal is, um, why we don't vote for a president, and so on. Oh, and we don't have one. No, that's true. That's although, um, although Scott Morrison was has been out. I, I saw a little thing from uh, from insiders uh, from Barry Cassidy. They had a, a short segment that they had posted to Twitter in which. Barry Cassidy was observing the fact that throughout this election campaign, Scott Morrison has basically been claiming this to to be like a presidential contest. Um, the whole time he's been saying, like, he there were all these clips of him talking about like Labor's campaign launch, and he was like, oh, they had their thing, um, and it was just all about Labor. It was just all about the Labor Party. I was mm. like, yeah, that's that's the political party's. Well, campaign? it's almost like they're trying to play it that way because the Labor Party is winning in the polls, but Bill Shorten is losing in the preferred leadership polls. And yes, that was very much the uh, the the conclusion that was drawn from this was that they're not really proposing anything in terms of policies. They're just saying we're going to keep cutting stuff and uh, not really doing anything ambitious. And the only point that they have is... Scott Morrison is theoretically more popular than than Bill Shorten on a preferred prime minister rating. Um, so the whole thing Scott Morrison's trying to make it about is if you vote for for us, you get me. If you vote for them, you get Bill Shorten. And that's true. And that's permanent and immutable, despite the fact that none of this is actually how our political parties work. Um, so all that said, uh, like I said, we, we want to help explain this to international listeners and perhaps even maybe you're um maybe you are a young person 
maybe this is your first election that you're voting in. You just mm. you, all the things you've been afraid to ask. So uh, here goes Theo with his explanation of preferential voting. God, Hit it. that's it. That's the that's the whole tune. Yeah, you should have been ready. Should have been ready to go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, in I'll just talk about federal parliament. Just assume we're talking about federal parliament the whole the whole way along, right? We're not getting into state elections here. That's so not, not what gonna, we're here for. We're not. We're not here for that. Um, you know, as you as you may expect, Australia's broken up into electorates. Um, I am in the boner electorate of Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Huh? <laughs> oh. Um and when you get to the booth, before you get to the booth, what happens is you are uh handed or attempted to be handed a bunch of how to vote cards and they will push them uh at you, kind of jabbing them into your into your soft hemophilic skin. Um you say, No, thank you. I know exactly how I'm voting. You're cutting me. You're cutting me. <laughs> but this sort of brings me to the first to the first point, uh, and and it's a very contentious um, part in um, in Australian politics um, as far as PR goes, and that is uh, delegation of preferences. So parties can choose in each electorate to delegate their their preferences, and. When this is sort of ringed out in the media, especially by other um, political parties who disagree with those preferences because it doesn't put them at number two, um, they will say, well, you know, Labor is giving your vote to the uh, Communist Party, um, which is not true. So what that means is they will basically print out a how-to-vote card um, on the day, and it will list how to number each candidate preferentially when you get into the booth. And that starts number one, Labor, for with a Labor how to vote card. And it might be, you know, um, two the Greens, three the Beige Independent, four the Communist Party, five, uh, you know, your Liberal Nats, um, and then, you know, down through the, through the uh, fishing, shooting, fascism and racism parties all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, you can take this card and you can throw it directly in the bin if you like. Um, there is no forced preferential um, like preferences. Uh, if you vote for uh, Labor, you do not get the Labor preferences. Um, when you get to the uh, to the booth, you have a card that lists, you know, all of your the half dozen uh, also uh, members. Who are up for, or, or people that are up for be, for being members in your um, in your electorate? Unless you're voting for the Senate, in which case there will be like six hundred thousand candidates, two hundred ninety-four million. That's right. Um, brief aside, uh, there was a a uh, thing we saw come out of the New South Wales state election uh, where um, ex leader of the Labor Party, uh, Mark Latham, was running for the One Nation Party. Uh, in the Senate in in New South Wales, and uh, many people took to numbering him uh, to numbering every single candidate for the Senate, which is not not mandatory. Uh, I don't want to get into that, but you can either vote above or below the line in the in the Senate. Uh, and if you vote below the line, you have to give a number to every single Senate candidate that exists, and they would go all the way down, finishing with I think it's two hundred and forty six Mark Mark Latham. Um, <coughs> That is not the case with the um, 
with the House of Reps, uh, you've got half a dozen candidates, um, you've got a box next to each name, and you number them 1 to N for however many candidates that there are. And this means that if you uh, vote um, for, you know, 1 for the Greens, 2 for whatever Socialist Party hasn't, you know, actively murdered itself in the last three months in your electorate, uh, you know, three for Labour, etc., uh, you are not throwing your vote away when it gets to, uh, you know, LNP victory in that um, in that electorate. And the way that it works is this: if you take all of those, um, every single ballot in the electorate goes into a big box, and they pull them out, and imagine they all go into big piles, and each pile is for a candidate. And you start off putting the number one votes into those piles, right? So you've got the first candidate, number one. Um, for for each of the candidates, and obviously one of these piles is going to be way smaller because nobody voted for for such and such person. Uh, that pile gets basically just picked up, and then everyone that listed number two on those cards, those things, those those ballots, then go to uh, the next candidate. So if you if you voted number one for some you know socialist party or whatever, and they, and they didn't get anything at all. Uh, and your number two was for the Greens, uh, your your vote will be added to the Greens pile. And that process continues, so the next smallest pile gets removed, until basically you have a you have a winner. What the upshot of that is, is that if your number one preference doesn't get in, and your number two preference doesn't get in, and your number three preference does get in, that's where your vote went. Right? So there's no, no such thing... Um, as throwing away your vote, as you know, as we mm. see the big fights in in America, where uh, statistically insignificant, small, uh, you know, number of people vote on both sides um, for third party candidates in a two party system. Uh, yeah, effectively, just that, that whole idea of the spoiler vote of the, the spoiler oh, vote, the, Ralph Nader or Bernie Sanders ruined everything for everyone. That, that's that's exactly right. And so every every single election, you see um, people. On whoever whoever is the losing side, right? Whether it be the the Republicans or the Democrats, are blaming third party votes as part of. Like, oh well, in this thing, it, you know, thirty thousand would have gone to to you know this this candidate or whatever. We don't even get to go into that because that's not the way um, our voting works. Despite well, you the, say you say that we don't get to, but people sure try. This is the, yep. Uh, as has been alluded to, um, we still have the the Murdoch papers. Um, just several days ago, the Australian, I think, um, trying to spin it this way to say that Greens votes are getting your your Labor per, uh, like Labor in, and that's not true. Labor votes are getting Labor in. It's just that that vote happened to appear further down, but not so far down as the LNP vote. On a particular ballot. Yeah, um, so it would have been either a Greens voter saying, well, my first preference is to have the Greens in, but if I can't have them, I would rather have Labour than the Liberals or the Racism Party or whatever. Um, but yeah, like the, the way they framed that article was absolutely ridiculous, which was, you know, that the Labour that Labor um, had however many MPs elected at the last election and they they relied on Greens votes to do this. So they were framing the entire con- thing in the context of, 
you know, they they owe this blood debt to the Greens for for delivering them to office in yeah. this particular instance, which and is, as you said, the, just it's not true and it's not how the system works. Yeah, it's not physically how the system works and it's also not politically how the system works. So, coming out of, like, the, the upshot of all of this, I think, is there's a, there's a number of things. Like, number one, you can't throw your vote away, right? So, I think we covered that, that um, you, you're... Your first party vote, you know, it may not be the one that gets somebody somebody in, but your vote still counts for one vote, regardless of whether it's number one or number five on the on the list that gets that person in. Uh, it still counts for for a vote. Um, number two, those voting counts are available, right? So uh, we can see where first preferences went. We can see where preference flows went, and what that means is it gives a very real, very reliable indicator in a particular electorate um, that if people are voting one Greens over over Labour, even though the Labour candidate got in, it is a sign that Labour needs to appease these people, right? Especially if it's a vote that, that's increasing, right? Or a vote mm. that's, you know, getting close to, to tipping... Um, Tipping the the you know the Labor candidate from second to third, for example, in a uh, in an electorate, right? So that that means that they need to to look at what's happening there and and think about what what keeps them in power in any particular electorate, right? And that um, and that means appeasing those people that that voted for them, but only through preferential flows. Particularly, like you're saying, if if the party is able to look and see over the course of the last X number of elections, our vote has decreased and the and the vote for this other, like the primary vote for our party has decreased and the primary vote for this other party has increased mm-hmm. by whatever margin, you know, over a course of several elections, they can say, oh, well, we can see that there is more and more appetite for this type of thing. That's right. And, and I think, th- thirdly, it means that minor parties can, for better or worse, actually get into government. Uh, not obviously, not as a majority government. I should be clear to to you know overseas listeners or what have you. But uh, and and also you know not anything like uh, the UK, I would say, or, or many other you know parliamentary systems. Uh, we we won't have some sort of three party system in the foreseeable future. Or, or you know a, a thing where where we end up with minority coalitions um, with the the coalition aside the LMP which is sort of um, mostly mostly as, like seen as one entity in in the in the political landscape um, but it does mean that that smaller parties and including you know the the, the somewhat larger parties now like the Greens and one nation can actually get in and can affect um, the way that government works, you know, in the case of when we get a minority government, when, um, you know, for example, when Labor gets in and, and they don't have a clear majority and they need to listen to minor parties, including the Greens, um, to drag votes across the line. I Now, I don't know whether this is a, a correct opinion or not, but... While we've seen the major parties continually talk about, you know, don't vote for minor parties and don't vote for the Greens because it causes all this all this chaos when we have a crossbench of uh, Greens and independents and minors and that sort of stuff. <clears throat> I think that we can look at the evidence of the last, um, last decade or so 
and say that when there has been a situation where um, when there has been a situation where there is like a significant crossbench of minor and independent parties, particularly um, particularly when Julia Gillard was prime minister, you know the, the Labor Party could only form the minority government and make agreements with a with a crossbench of independent and minor party senators. Um, and to my mind, a lot of the time that ended up with a them being very productive in terms of the amount of legislation they actually passed and doing stuff, but also like rather than having major parties who have, you know, uh, control of both chambers and are just ramming stuff through or anything, um, you wind up in this situation where they can propose a policy but in order for it to become law, it has to go past a group of people who often have quite different interests. But generally speaking, I think that um, that people from minor parties and people from, uh, you know, independents, independents and minor parties, I think, are much more beholden to their individual electorates because th- these are the people who need to be able to go to a subsequent election and say... Everything I did, I did with the intention of directly representing your interests. Yeah. It's way, way easier for someone from the Labor Party to say, oh, you didn't get this thing that you wanted or we didn't act in a particular way on this thing that you wanted, like, you know, climate change or treatment of refugees or whatever. But, you know, I'm obligated to toe the party line and vote vote in favor of things that we agreed on at the party conference. So, can't really do anything about that. And, and you know, your alternative is is to have the liberals in and that'd be way worse. Um, so, so, what we wound up with a lot of the time in that situation is having having policies actually have to go through and pass a kind of diverse group of people all seeking to like be be quite directly responsible to their electorates and it wound up just kind of having all of those things have a bit of a sensible lens applied to them in a lot of cases yeah, a- and absolutely. then get passed and i don't i i honestly don't know how much of this filters down to um you know every everyday people whether how aware they are of how much of a majority of the government holds or or what have you um you know i'd love to hear more from uh, the people that are actually involved um, in this, but I think in general, um, people ha- like seeing the government's feet held to the fire, um, and that kind of serves as as sort of a, a, a salve against the the general sentiment that there are two major parties, and they don't represent anybody; they're all just in it for themselves. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, and and they just, yeah, just get in. Half, and they it's do. half the country getting what they want, and the other one half That's not right. getting what they want all of the time. And they just get in and they go, 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 go. We'll, we'll put in all of this stuff, and half the people, is, yeah, like I said, just sitting there shaking their heads. Um, I, I do believe um, that there is a a sentiment that kind of comes out of of um, governments where uh, the minority uh, parties and independents. Uh, actually hold some sway that that there is some sort of representative process going on well the other thing i guess to consider in that context is um even though even though it does wind up giving us the odd um independent or minor party person who is a big time nutter or super racist or whatever Mm -hmm. um, and we do get them uh, very often 
I, I think in, in both situations over the past decade, we were able to look at Julie Gillard working with a crossbench of independents um, and greens and seemingly, you know, do their best to kind of deliver some, some sensible reforms on things um, versus then when Tony Abbott got elected, and he had done his entire election campaign making all these promises to deliver all of this amazing stuff to everybody. And then the, was it the night before the election that he, that he made his promise on his notorious promise on, on TV, no cuts cuts to health, education, um, just anything, you know, that, that somehow, yeah, somehow he was going to deliver all of these amazing benefits to everybody and there were going to be no cuts to any services and no increases to any taxes. So essentially just absolutely magical bullshit. Um, and then they got elected and immediately set about saying, oh, what we're actually going to do is massively cut health spending. We're going to massively cut, um, education. We're going to massively cut everything all of those things that they explicitly said we will not cut any of this stuff and there was i think it was a really big backlash which is a huge part of what led to him being um kicked out by his own party so early into his term but the reality was that i think a a lot of those things didn't get to go through because of that crossbench because everybody just went well what the fuck are you talking about you have no mandate for doing any of this stuff I could be totally wrong on that one, as usual. Please write into heyyouguys at montavista.com and say, Andrew, you big idiot, you fool, uh, you rube of the highest order. So um, so I did have one other question about this, Theo, before we keep keep trucking on, hmm. which is um, my, my sort of understanding of voting above and below the line in Australia is that as you were describing, if you choose to vote below the line, you can designate the order of your own preferences for your vote from the very first down to the very last candidate. Um, so, so you know, that, that decision is not made for you. But if you do want to vote for a party and I guess basically give them the control of the flow of your own preferences, you can vote above the line. You just put a big one above the line for your party of choice. And they will then have made a decision beforehand about how they want to direct that flow of preferences. And I think that the majority of the time, this is done with with the strategic interest of giving themselves the best possible opportunity of gaining office. Now, personally... I don't think that that is the worst thing in the world to do with um, the Greens or even Labor. I think that Labor can be a bit a bit shitty about how they do it. But if you're planning on voting for like the Liberals or the Nationals, um, don't do that. Number below the line and please put the fascist parties last because the Liberal Party will genuinely, they would genuinely rather have... Um, someone from Fraser Anning's uh, Conservative National Party um, elected to the House or the Senate um, in order to make more let's let's ban blacks from coming into the country speeches. They would genuinely rather have that happen than have another uh, Green Senator or another Labour MP in the House. And that is pretty fucked up. So, so yeah, at least, like, I know that... Um, 
I know that Labour do their own thing strategically and that there are probably tons of instances people could point to of uh, ways that they've done it that have not been particularly kind to the Greens or whoever. Um, but at least I feel like I can say with almost complete confidence that um, Labour would still rather hand a vote to the Liberals than to like an outright uh, fascist. So that's my understanding of that. Once again, write in and tell me if I'm extremely wrong. So, uh, Theo, in the interest of moving on, is that your guide to preferential voting concluded? Um, so I think on, on what you were talking about, about previously, if, you, if we're discussing the, the Senate ballot paper, if you vote above the line, uh, you still need to number at least six parties. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just that you don't preference uh, individuals. You preference parties. If you vote below the line, you must number at least 12 individuals. Uh, and then your your preferences will flow between between them. So this is where the sort of source of, like you alluded to earlier, Anthony Green's um, frustration around uh, the vote for um, big time moon unit Malcolm Roberts, um, where he only got seventy seven votes or whatever it was seventy seven, mm-hmm. um, which is which is utterly untrue because people vote above the line. Um, on the Senate paper, and they vote for One Nation, and One Nation people get in, right? That's just that's just what, what happens. If you vote below the line, uh, you can number individual candid- candidates. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason for this. Someone will probably tell me. It's for this very important process. To me, it just seems like spiting people uh, to manage to put them last, but you don't have to number everybody. You can just number down um, one to... 1 to 12, um, and don't include someone that you particularly hate um, below the line if uh, you don't want to, uh, and if you don't want to number every single fucking box down there. So, uh, And so this concludes um, Theo's preferential voting explainer. Trap folks. Uh, and now, continuing on, we thought that we would maybe try to give you a bit of a rundown of um, some of these minor parties floating around so you know whether or not you should direct your preferences to them. Yeah, so I, Hold I left on. out... Hold on! Fuck! Okay, I, sorry. I, I have completely forgotten to do a thing which we said before the show that we were going to do, which is that we were just going to remark upon Lucy's absence... Uh, Lucy has been traveling around the world, visiting places so exotic as Canada. Um, that's right. She's been up there in the, the Great White North, if that's what anyone calls Canada. <laughs> yep. Does anyone, does anyone call it? That's what they call it. Okay. Uh, she's been getting around. She's been visiting a bunch of places. Uh, she has promised to produce some video content for our patrons, some, some travel, some travel videos and such. So, expect to see a bit of additional content from Lucy soon to make up for her absence from the podcast over the last couple of weeks. She sends her apologies, her kisses to the many wives of the show. Now that I've remembered to say that, um, half an hour into the show. (laughs) Please, Ben, continue on. Hey, um, okay, so there's like 200 million um, minor parties uh, going in this election. This is just a list of... Uh, the ones where 
either they're the really bad ones and we're just reiterating that or their name is ambiguous and if you're voting below the line or whatever and you see them or even above the line you're like hey who are these guys they sound nice enough so we thought we'd we'd straighten out some of these uh this list is partially cribbed from a larger list of that the the guardian did um so thanks to them for doing the hard work uh but i've taken out the obvious ones that you would probably recognize so let's get through these first dive in we have australian better families uh what they mean by better families is men's rights this is the political <laughs> branch of the australian brotherhood of fathers uh which is run that by me one more time the australian australian brotherhood, brotherhood. of fathers uh, so we're talking uncles here <laughs> yes it's the uncle society <laughs> it's the uncles party. <laughs> Um, they are entirely family court dads, uh, which in itself, you know, we make a lot of fun of family court dads because it is a, a big trope, uh, largely among some garbage people. Uh, but these guys are closely affiliated with One Nation. They want a minister for men because they think it's unfair that there's a minister for women. Uh, it's that sort of deal. So probably chuck them somewhere down the bottom. Next up is the Australian Christians. You can probably assume from that that they're bad, but hey, not all Christians are bad. Uh, these Hashtag ones are not though. all Christians. Uh, these ones are anti-abortion, anti-homosexuality, anti-euthanasia, and of course, the worst one: they're against porn. Come on, man! Come let on! My, let me have my skin mags. <laughs> let me go. I'm to the, the one servo. person. I'm the one person who's still out here buying um, picture magazine. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you're the, the yep. one person that finds it erotic. Oh, I want to, I want to um, tear off that plastic packaging and flip straight to the hometown honeys section. Oh, pictures not in plastic. I believe we've discussed this on the podcast before. Oh, sorry, because you don't sorry. have to be eighteen to buy it. Uh, no. And yeah. no. Oh, is, is it just like no, pen, a, penthouse a, and shit? That's that a got. gateway skin mag. It's yeah, a, pen, penthouse because they because uh, they got the full spread. Oh, don't. If they let you look right in there. Please. No, I mean you um, can pull it out. And yeah, the wall. Mm-hmm. We we got it, Theo. You see the full spread, and then you pull it out. Okay. All right. Moving on. Moving on. So sorry that Lucy's not here, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Australian Conservatives. That is, of course, Corey Bernardi's party, who used to be. Uh, well, he was briefly Australia's worst fringe far-right independent and then Fraser Anning came and stole his thunder but he still sucks a big fat turd so I will say um that I really feel like Corey Bernardi um he's been a massively reduced presence in the Australian media and political life in general since he left the Liberal Party oh Um, for sure like a, a really, a really great example of um, a huge shit heel just accidentally deplatforming himself. Yeah, it's, it it was quite phenomenal, actually. Well, like the, he quit the party because he's like, I'm sick of everybody not taking my extremely weird views seriously, and everyone went, Oh, okay. Um, good, bye. Good. Went, Come on, off. guys, follow me. And then he <laughs> turned around five minutes later, and there was no one else there. Well, the the two main things I remember about this, obviously, were, yeah, him making a lot of statements because um, he, he would threaten to do things like, you know, cross the aisle and vote against his own party's legislation. 
Um, he would constantly be out there in the media saying that they weren't right-wing enough and if they wanted, very similar to like um, George Christensen from the Nationals where they were both very, very outspoken and would constantly say, if they want my support to pass this thing, they have to make it, um, you know, 60% more racist or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, he, he was doing a lot of that and then he finally got to the point of saying, that's it, I'm announcing that I'm going to leave the party. And yeah, he, he left the party and then just no one gave a fuck or talked to him anymore because he had completely given up any influence that he had over making a major party do anything. Um, he was now just, you know, one, one independent vote on the crossbench. And I distinctly remember a, an article appearing at some point where somebody was talking to him and he was lamenting the fact He's that no journalists want to talk to him anymore. Oh, it's so good. He's like, oh, now that I'm just one guy with no power, no one pays any attention no to me. No one gives a shit. Instead so of I think when my complaints were steering the direction of an in-government major party. Oh. I think I'm trying to remember if... Um, I'm trying to remember if... So, so Kira Lee Smith, um, the, the very racist uh, anti-Bendigo mosque mum. So, so she's, I'm pretty sure, um, just a candidate at this point. She still hasn't actually been elected. So, um, so yeah, like, again, his whole thing was he, he quit and he made a big show of the fact that he had this massive outpouring of support from Australians due to the fact that he had managed to get like 40,000 people to sign up for his HTML newsletter. Um, and it turned out that I don't think that translated directly into like uh, mobilized political volunteers and grassroots donors. I think it was just um, I think it was just a bunch of cranks and 30,000 journalists who wanted to see what he was going to say next. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on from Corey. Oh, sorry, just an update. Just an update. Um, Anti-halal, anti-Islam, anti-transgender rights campaigner Kiralee Smith has withdrawn from running for a spot in the Senate at the upcoming federal election. Just days from an announcement, she had declared that she will no longer be standing on the Australian Conservative New South Wales Senate ticket. Um, so, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons that she would not elaborate on. It's probably the fact that she's fucking horrible. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, basically Cory Bernardi, he was hoping to add one person to his stable of elected representatives in his political party, but he's sticking with one for the moment, I guess. Let's keep it that way by having nobody vote for them. Continue. Uh, next is the Christian Democratic Party, that is Fred Nile's party. Uh, Fred Nile, a huge fuck. Absolute massive fuck. Uh, so just massive social conservatives. Don't vote for those guys. Uh, climate action, exclamation mark. Immigration action, exclamation mark. Accountable politicians, exclamation mark. I thought that might have maybe been an initialism or an acronym. Well, an acronym, but it's not. Because that would just be CAIAP. And I don't think that's... It's just a weird name. But anyway, they're um, a direct democracy... Fucking party used to be called Online Direct Democracy or Senator Online, yeah. uh, and it's I hate this dumb fucking shit so much. Direct Democracy is the fucking worst. Don't, uh, don't do it. But Ben, what if politicians, but on the blockchain? What if 
you're a local representative whose job is nominally to understand stuff better than you understand it and to see what they're doing in a larger context was simply a mouthpiece. Ideally to explain it to you as well. Yeah. Was simply just someone who was a fucking bum on a seat who had an app. No, thank you. They, um, yeah, what if, what if your locally elected um, member for parliament was instead the um, surrogate guy from Arrested Development? <laughs> a, a camera on his head and a microphone in his ear? No, that, that is exactly what I was thinking of. I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, very much. It's just a whole bunch of people sitting, uh, you know, ramrod straight. And they all wait for just some beeping to happen. And they go, yeah. I cast my vote. And occasionally the guy just says, rights for gamers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with this in the sense that um, that this is one of those things like, uh, you know, why don't, why can't we all vote online and shit? And it's just like, because we have a system that, that works and has, you know, astonishingly little voter fraud in it and all that sort of shit. Um compared to yeah with a lot of the stuff like you're saying Ben it's just this whole idea of what if we all just you know pick from a poll on a website and yeah I guess mm. I guess the party just kind of isn't involved anymore yes there's, there, there's also I mean the obvious other objectionable thing about it as well is that like if the idea is that you know they they were to just put up potential policies or potential policy responses to individual issues on a website or send them to you through an app. You know, it's all just like people fucking voting on a Snapchat story or whatever. Um, this idea that that's going to produce the best result. But I think that an, an innate part of the, of, you know, democratic representation in an ideal world, not, not how it has been going for a while is that you should have, you know, political political leaders that are willing to say, here's a thing that isn't actually that popular with everybody, but we really, really genuinely believe it is the right thing to do in this case. I mean, a perfect example of that is I'm pretty sure that at the moment, if you went out and polled um, every single Australian about their feelings about like, um, you know, border control and keeping people in offshore gulags and all that sort of shit, um, you would probably get more than 50% of people saying, yeah, we need to keep our island prisons going in order to to serve as a deterrent. We need strong borders and all the other shit that we've had drummed into us over and over for decades now. But what it's clearly going to take to break that is for someone to come along at some point and say, that, you know, this has been the accepted status quo on this issue for a while. It's been a, an entirely politicized issue we need to be brave enough to try and to try and change the narrative on this and shit like that just would never happen if you said oh well let, it's easy let's just make it a thing on that so I fuck agree. Those democracy guys. is a mistake democracy sucks but well like like i said it's just it just runs completely counter to to the concept of representative democracy yeah. you know? you vote for a person on the basis of trusting them to go and make a decision that represents generally your interest or your alignment with their politics. Uh, continuing on. Uh, yes. Uh, next up, we have the Democratic Labor Party, which is a socially conservative 
uh, I think, economically centrist Labour Party. They are against same-sex marriage. Uh, I have a note here that says, too late, suckers! Because uh, they are. <laughs> they support indefinite regional, um, regional detention, or offshore detention, I should say. Uh, they reject politically imposed multiculturalism and instead believe in fostering a cosmopolitan community. That doesn't mm. really mean anything. Uh-huh. Uh, and they want to fix the family court system. <laughs> oh, there it is again. Uh, so, yeah, they suck ass as well. Next up, we've got Darren Hinch's Justice Party. Uh, is he running any candidates? Or? I mean... I assume he's running again. Oh, wait, no. His term probably isn't even... I don't know. Let's find out. No, I can't be bothered. No, anyway. Let's not do that right now. We've got to keep the paper, it. It's Darren Hitch. It's Darren Hitch. He's just naming and shaming pedophiles. That's all he does. Uh, Fraser Anning's Conservative National Party. Don't vote for that one. Uh, the Health Australia Party. Now, this... They're literally... Like, their whole policy platform now is explaining that they're not anti-vax. Because... <laughs> They very much seem to be, and every time they're in an election, people write articles being like, hey, it's the anti-vax party, and they're like, no, no, we're not. We just, they're against the no jab, no play legislation, and they believe that the risks of under-vaccination aren't as bad as the risks of over-vaccination. So they're not they're not anti-vax, they've just formed an entire political party around the concept that... Um, maybe vaccines aren't good. Well, maybe aren't necessary. Vac- vaccines aren't as great as they're made out to be. Mm. Yeah, no, basically. No. And then all their other stuff is about like getting alternative medicine, uh, equal coverage under Medicare and stuff like that. There, which, which just recently, uh, no, sorry, the private private health rules just changed around uh, alternative. Um, medicine where now most health health cover funds won't cover it under the same rules so so I guess oh. if that sort of stuff matters to you and you you know have some doubts about vaccinations um, still don't vote for them oh I only I only just got the the name of the next party oh yeah the help end marijuana prohibition party and what's that acronym why that that spells out hemp dear Andrew huh. Uh, they have literally the, no the other lettuce. policies. Not a single other policy anywhere. Like, I looked on a bunch of different websites trying to be like, okay, but you know if you get voted in, surely you have to have some beliefs about other things. Nothing. And I love weed as much as the next man. Possibly much more than the next man. Almost definitely more. I, I would put myself in maybe the top... I'm in the 97th percentile for weed love. Uh, I don't think that's enough of a belief that you should be in government. Well, not in government, sorry. <laughs> Imagine if they well, won government. But- it, it leads it leads me to another point, though, about single-issue parties, right? Which is, um, and and just generally speaking for myself, I, I wouldn't uh, vote for or preference a single-issue party on a very on a very simple ground, which is... You you are basically committing to, if that person happens to get elected, as you're saying, they have no other policy positions presented on anything, which means that you are you are entering into a complete crapshoot as far as what their position is going to be on any given thing. Yes. Um, yeah, you could find, for example, that someone from the hemp party 
um, who only cares about being able to smoke heaps of weed, um, you know, there's there's an absolutely non-zero chance that that person is a massive conspiracy theorist, or like, or anti-vax, or, 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 or also is anti-vax or whatever. Like, maybe they spend all their time just getting roasted and watching the Joe Rogan show. And that's going to affect all of their votes on things. And the problem is that you don't actually know what any of those are going to be until they start coming up, which makes me think of um, uh, Ricky Muir a couple of couple of terms ago getting the car dad. Yeah. Yep. Getting voted in uh, from a single issue um, car enthusiasts party, um, which I I believe was mainly just yeah single issue thing about like car registrations and rights to drive in certain areas and shit like that um and it, it was like a genuinely sort of captivating narrative throughout that term to see this person who was clearly incredibly unprepared for even the idea that he could be elected and then looked to to have a position on these various issues um and there were things that he would come out and say something pretty dumb and everyone would roast him and then unlike a lot of other politicians he would just go away for a bit and then come back and say all right, I didn't really know anything about this thing. Um, and now I've gone away and tried to learn about it. And here is, you know, a relatively reasonable position. And I think for a lot, a lot of people were able to go like, oh, compared to generally what you see from national parties, that's actually a fairly, like a fairly sort of humble, uh, a humble approach or response to a lot of that stuff. That said, still just a total gamble. Mm, absolutely. That's why I'm voting for the next party. The next one. Oh, yeah. Now, see, I like they spell out their beliefs very clearly in the name of their party with a parenthetical statement inside it. So this is yep. the actual name of the party. This is the official registered name of the party. Involuntary medication objectors, open bracket, vaccination slash fr- fluoride, close bracket party. Mm-hmm. So mm. uh, you're very clear what they're about. Yeah, they want fluoride out of the water and vaccinations out of the children. Uh, I want my teeth to crumble when I bite into a soft apple. <laughs> hey, if you want that, uh, just move to Queensland. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, I've bundled these ones into one thing because they're essentially the same. The Jackie Lambie Network and Catter's Australian Party. They are socially conservative, economically a bit to the left. Uh, they both fucking suck. Horrible people. Um, yep. Don't vote for him. Although, I mean, Catter's had his seat now for like 30-something years, so he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, if you happen to be voting, uh, he's not a senator. No, he's an MP, isn't he? Wait. Catter? Yeah. No, is he? Oh, I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Uh, anyway, don't vote for either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liberal Democrats, formerly the party of uh, David Lionhelm, uh, but he got fired, I believe, from the. Did Lib he get Dems. fired, or did he? Did he? Because he, he quit. Well, he got not elected, and then he quit. I believe is the series of events. Sorry, uh, but he. Yeah, but but I thought the whole thing was that he he resigned from his Senate seat during the term, announcing that instead he was going to run for a seat in the upper house of of New South yes, Wales because he that believed that he would have yeah. a better chance. Yeah, and then he and didn't he, get voted he, in. He didn't. Which is very uh, and funny, then, and he's also still in uh, the middle of getting sued. Um, he's still in the middle of his defamation trial against Green Senator Sarah Hansen-Young, 
um, sure. about all of the fucking horrible stuff that he has said to her um, and about her on TV shows and in interviews and all that sort of shit. Um, and it looks like he is getting absolutely fucked up in the middle of that one because I was reading some transcripts from the court case the other day and they've they've got him like just admitting on the thing you know do, do you actually believe this thing that you said about her and he's like no not really um despite the fact that the entire defense that he is running with is the defense of truth the defense of i'm allowed to say this thing no matter how derogatory or defamatory it is because it happens to be true um and instead they got him in there and you know, he's saying, oh, well, Sarah Hansen Young effectively said that all men are rapists. And they said, do you actually think that's true, that she believes that all men are rapists? And he went, no, not really. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm guessing he's going to be buying her a small house or something. Yeah, so, sure. good. Fuck him. Oh, yeah. Libertarians don't vote for him. Libertarians bad because uh, sometimes you're going to agree with them about like uh, legalizing weed and then you're not going to agree with them about um, lowering gi- the age of giving consent. every yeah giving every creepy dude a taser and then lowering the age of consent to eight. You know, I think we all spend uh, most of our lives asking ourselves, uh, you know, we live in a society with just question mark at the yeah. end of that. Um, whereas they <laughs> are brave enough <laughs> to ask the question. What if we don't? What if we don't? Why, why should we have to live in a society? What if actions don't have consequences? Mm. What if that was true? Yep. All right, we better blast through some of these yeah, so we'll that we can make time for some questions before we go. Uh, love Australia or leave? Um, oh. Oh. I just want to say it's, it's truly incredible that in the year of 2019 in Australia, we literally have a party whose, whose name is just fuck off, we're full. Yeah, I think if I assume like that was it, what they put in first. And, and, and I also assume that when Labor wins this election, they will all be leaving. Yes, because they do not love Australia. Because they don't love Australia anymore. Hmm. Next up. Uh, I don't even know why but putting One Nation in there. Everyone knows One Nation. Don't vote for them. Yep. Uh, Republican Party of Australia, single issue Republican Party. Uh, who cares? I just, I just don't. Fucking! I know. I I don't know if anybody who listens to us has a strong position on it. I just don't give a fuck about the Republican. Thing I have at a all. vague sensation that we should be a republic, but no one has ever given me a concrete argument as to like we should do this right now because. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what I mean in the sense of like. It's it's not like it's not like in like England and shit where people are like, hey, why are we still spending billions of dollars on the Queen and like all this weird shit? Whereas in Australia, it's it I I really struggle the vast majority of the time to see any instance in which it actually has any effect on the political process or um, you know day to day life or anything like that. So as always, hey you guys at woodavista.com, tell me I'm wrong, whatever. Um, but yeah, it just, it just seems like as far as the things we have going on in this country, it's so fucking low down on the list of things to care about. Uh, next up, Rise Up Australia. They are Mm. very anti-gay, very anti-Muslim. It's a Danny Nalia's party, I believe. Sure. Big, big pile of shit. Uh, Great big pile of shit. Very bad. Do not vote. Uh, the Science Party. I put this one in because their name is ambiguous enough that you might read it and be like, Oh, I don't know. This might be about, like, brain size or something. But they're quite good. They just want, like... uh, They're great on climate change. They're pretty progressive on social issues. They want to end offshore detention. And they want 
a bullet train. Uh, well done to them, because I want one as well. They're cool. Trains, 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 trains. Uh, Seniors United Party, they want their franking credits. Don't you <laughs> take their franking hell. credits. Fucking hell. Uh, shooters, fishers, and farmers. Um, I love outdoor sports as the next person, as much as the next person, uh, but they largely want to loosen gun laws and they want to have a more American-style approach to public land where you can just go on there and shoot and do whatever the fuck you want, uh, hunt shit and stuff, which I think is bad personally. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that, um, and again, I'm not the most qualified person in the world, but from all of the reading that I've done about it and the people I know who do similar things, um, like the the ability to, to hunt and shoot and shit like that in Australia is not wildly restrictive at the moment anyway. If you want to get a rifle, if you want to get, you know, a gun license, you have to go through like background checks and, and you know, reasonably rigorous uh, training and all that sort of stuff. And if you want to shoot shit, you can go out to anybody's farm and say, hey, is it all right with you if I come on your property and shoot a bunch of rabbits or deer or whatever? Um, yeah, you can, you can shoot an unlimited number of like pest animals and that sort of stuff. Um, it's just for people who are, who are wild about shooting ducks, uh, basically. Like I didn't know there were any big time restrictions on fishing or whatever. Um, but yeah, like as, as a country, I think that generally speaking, you know, we, we do have hunting seasons for different animals. We, we have... Um, regulation around like overfishing and that sort of stuff and you know if you if you care about having a nice sustainable habitat to continue your hunting and fishing in then let's just keep that going you know don't vote for it don't vote for it agreed agreed on all counts um next up we got sustainable australia this is one of those tricky ones where you're like oh maybe they're talking about uh climate policy or yeah, crop rotation yeah you know like it's the crop rotation party that good stuff it's not uh it's anti-immigration they don't want those immigrants coming here and using up our precious resources uh do not vote for them uh next one is one of my favorites in terms of uh don't vote for them still uh the great australian party this is rod cullerton's splinter party this is the yes. super disqualified former senator uh, Rod Cullerton, who is in trouble for declaring himself to be a senator when he wasn't. Um, he has this weird party where he believes that by some quirk of the Australian Constitution, no Australian law is valid, only Commonwealth law applies. Uh, he is a very disturbed man. Um very entertaining uh but they are he's a huge sham and also obviously he was in one nation formerly so his uh beliefs aren't great yep too cooked for one nation um as is the standard for the vast majority of one nation candidates anyway yeah next up uh the small business party they want to get rid of payroll tax land tax stamp duty all that sort of stuff uh they just don't like paying taxes and they also want to reduce immigration levels. Don't know why they want to do that when that provides the largest base of uh, employees for them to exploit, but, you know. Um, yeah, if you're into this shit, I don't know why you wouldn't just be voting for the Liberal Party anyway because it's all the stuff they're always trying to do. Yeah. 
next. Next up. So this one isn't a bad one. It's just got a very ambiguous name. This is the Together Party. Uh, oh. This is how the Guardian described them. Uh, created by the lawyer and performer Mark S- Swivel. S- Swivel. I'm going to say Swivel because sure. it's more fun. Mm. Uh, Together advocates for a, a national ICAC, wants to protect the ABC and SPS, take action on climate change, and opposes the privatisation of public services. So it doesn't sound bad. I just hear the words together party and I'm like, what secrets are you hiding? You mean like white people banding together. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> uh, United Australia Party, that is obviously Clive Palmer. If you're in a state that doesn't have one of his billboard on uh, every corner... Maybe you're not so familiar with it, but uh, mm, Queensland. God, I envy you. Oh boy, uh, cannot fucking move without banging your head into a giant yellow billboard with this grinning fuck on it. I never see any of them, and I love it. Oh God, I, they're, they're fucking everywhere. But don't vote for him. He's a fucking grifter and a shithead, and his fucking whole party is filled with four chan Nazis. I think the thing that's most perplexing to everybody about it is that, like. There's genuinely just no apparent reason for for him to run. Like, other than I want to get in and have a direct influence on, like, you know, reducing corporate taxes and shit like that. Um, or the ability to accept foreign donations. Like, I can't... Uh, uh, like, obviously, there's a lot of parallels between him and Donald Trump, um, particularly in that he's very, very clearly just aping... The, the entire Donald Trump campaign down to the, you know, wearing a red tie and doing double thumbs up and grinning like an idiot everywhere. Um, he's also like, I, I don't know how you manage to be like a more unsubtle version of Donald Trump. I mm. don't, I don't get that. But yeah, they've, they've had him out on the news ranting and raving about um, how independently wealthy he is. I have $4,000 million. No one can tell me what to do. You think I care what anyone says about me or tells me what to do? No one can buy me. And that's why I'm running. And like, he doesn't seem to actually have any interest in improving the country beyond just making outlandish claims about... Yeah, every single one of the the banners has like some shithead's face on it and like the tagline of like, uh, what if you had a nice car? Yeah, it's all just like, you won't pay taxes anymore. Like... It's it's all just things that are like patently untrue and they are unable to deliver in any way. Um, yeah, it's all extremely. What if what if you voted for me and then I came around to your house and I gave you five hundred dollars in an envelope and a tall frosty beer? You know. Um, so so again, like it's just it's really not apparent why he's even doing it, other than because he likes uh, attention and he's a big born grifter. And I would imagine in the case of a lot of people who are politicians anyway, um, they're all people who are independently wealthy enough that they could just fuck off and do something else. But they just like to be seen and looked at and and be in a position of power. So fuck them. Fuck them right in the ass. Agreed. Uh, next up, voteflux.org. Uh, they are another direct democracy party. Knew it. What if an app? I've definitely I, been... I think we've talked about Vote Flux before we on have, the show. I, I believe... I reckon we have. I discussed getting harangued by one of their candidates at the West End Markets one time. Actually, it was it would have been three years ago, which is just about when George and I started dating, which makes sense because oh. it was the last election. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, and like again with this whole thing, it, it's you can just see them pop up like every time there's some um, some moderately famous centrist Ozpol dipshit on Twitter. There's you know oh we need to improve we need to improve the political system in this country uh, because no one's really you know representing uh, general interests. Centrism is good. And then immediately one of these uh, dipshits pops up and says, yeah, would you be interested in getting together to talk about helping promote our app? And I go, ugh. And finally. Oh, the Yellow Vest Australia Party. So, you know, the I can't say the French name for that shit, but the stuff the French people did because of the uh, cost of living stuff, because there was going to be some taxes that were on increases on, it's like car registration or something. Where they were just like, fuck you, I can't afford to pay for anything, eat my turds. It was all vaguely European. It was very European. Uh, but for some reason uh, in Australia, people have tried to pick up on this momentum but making it about Islam. So they're like, we're putting on these yellow vests because I'm sick of knowing that a mosque is near me. Uh, so don't vote for these guys, they're big time fucking racists. And there you have it, folks. Uh, that's our rundown of all the all the different parties you shouldn't vote for, basically. <sighs> um, so let's let's take it to the mailbag. Let's jump over to the old mailbag. Take some questions here because our, our beautiful beautiful friends and listeners have bothered to write them in. So we should at least look at them. I think. Um. All right. We got some questions from a friend of the show, Boldimus, who says, Is it worth running up to my local Liberal National Party member campaigning at peak hour along the main arterial road in my area and egging them? Uh, and if you can do that without getting snatched up by anybody, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Um, if you've got good enough aim and you can get them from, say, like a solid five or ten meters out, um, and, and, you know, they're not like a popular enough candidate to have a bunch of security around or anything like that, do it. Crime pass. Yeah. Crime pass for this week. Egg the shit out of some conservative candidates, folks. Yeah. Um, just do your absolute best to not get snatched up by anybody in the process. Wear your best ninja outfit, perhaps. Maybe not the full balaclava. Try and make yourself look not a lot like you're a, uh, an assassin. He's probably my advice. Because that could so, go so worse. So don't dress up like an assassin slash um, Antifa member. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here friend of the show oh lover of the show lover of the show Matthew Rana uh, says which candidates could you personally best in a death match all of them Clive Palmer oh imagine kicking oh, his wait, no. knee backwards through oh. there's one that I could not uh, did everyone see that story about the one nation candidate who was just extremely ripped like no. the the thing where so his like social media digging through his posts backlash thing was that he posted a bunch of photos to his Instagram where he's only just covering his dick and he's naked, but he's like extraordinarily ripped. Uh, that guy looks like he could fucking beat me into a pulp. Um, could not beat that man. I think it's really depressing to consider how many people would probably lose a fight to Tony Abbott. Oh yeah, true. Um. But uh, but yeah, lots of lots of other folks. I reckon. I reckon I can take them. Malcolm Roberts probably beat up <laughs> Malcolm Roberts. Oh god, oh. he fucking. 
I reckon, uh, I don't know how much you guys remember from Guillermo del Toro's first Hellboy movie, but uh, the character in that whose blood had turned to dust. Oh, yeah, yeah. Baron, uh, I think, Baron von something. Oh, I believe he was uh, Karl Ruprecht Cronin uh, in Hellboy. his earlier life, but then he was brought back. Well, I guess, no, he kept that name when he was undead. Um, yeah, I think if you punched uh, fucking Malcolm Roberts, that's what would happen to him. Just, Just turn to dust. A little trickle of that. Like the the head Skeksis dying in Dark Crystal. Oh, okay, yep. Uh, friend of the show, Liam. Liam Reeves asks, Will Bill Shorten actually make anything better when he wins? <sighs> to which I say... Probably moderately, yes. Yeah. I think at the very least, um, at the very least, even though they are just very, very centrist, I think that the Australian Labour Party has committed to some things that are, like, obviously going to be better than having the Liberals in there. Um, I think as a party, generally, they're not super interested in just endless austerity. Um, they're, they're not super aligned with like, uh, trickle down, uh, trickle down economics or anything like that. They, um, you know, they've committed to like raising, uh, the minimum wage. They've committed to restoring the penalty rates that were cut under, um, the liberal party and also making part of the legislation be that they can never be cut again. Um, so, so, you know, there are things that, that would just be an improvement, um, whether or not they can be pushed further to the left on things like immigration and, um, on things like, like they, they do want to raise the refugee intake, but also I think, I think the general deal is that they've said that they're, they're not looking to re-examine the Malaysia solution at this point, which is keeping people in offshore gulags. Um, I, I really do think the immigration issue for them will be just one that they just won't touch because that's been their that's been their big um, you know partisan Achilles heel for so long. But like I said, I mean nominally, nominally it's got to be better than uh, the the Liberal Party and the Nationals just constantly doing uh, scandals and massive massive bouts of graft and rot. And, um, you know, constantly cutting taxes for the richest people in the country. Um, yeah, so, I think you know. it's also about, like, there, there's a certain element of stemming the bleeding as, as well, where um, even if Labor just holds steady on some things that, you know, it's it would be disappointing for them too, instead of moving, uh, moving left, um, it's uh, it shouldn't be forgotten at any point just how destructive this government has been to... Um, you know, to to people that that are that are less fortunate, right? Um, well, just working know, working people in general. Working people in general, you know, I think perhaps not so much uh, this budget, but the but the previous budget. You know, um, we have um, the the robo debt stuff going on, mm. targeting the most you know disadvantaged people in in Australia. Um, and and like you like you alluded to the the constant cuts, um, and and even just putting a stop to that to that process for another four years um, is is a significant win for the uh, less advantaged people in Australia 
I think, you know, potentially we could hope, very much hope, that if they can get in with, like, an absolute landslide, which is very possible, I think. I think that if you if you look at what the um, swings have been against the Liberals and the Nationals across the country in all the different state elections um, over the last couple of years, uh, it really looks like people are just hanging out to absolutely punish the Liberals, even though the polling tends to remain um, pretty pretty steady in terms of like you know 52 48 kind of stuff um i think that all of the all the state elections and everything show that once people actually get in the booth they're just absolutely um going to town on the liberals uh with a big metaphorical baseball bat so you know you can kind of hope that if if labor gets in um with with like a big mandate and does what I guess they have been doing for the last several years, which is being quite, you know, consistent and unified compared to the Liberals. They haven't had a great deal of internal strife. Maybe that'll be different if they get elected to office. But, um, you know, maybe if they're in there with a big enough margin and people were receptive to how they were performing and all that sort of stuff, that they could be pushed further to the left at the next election. Maybe they would be brave enough at that point to say, we need to, we need to recast you know, the debate around immigration and some of that sort of stuff. I'm not holding my breath for it, but I think you gotta you got to hold out a bit of hope for these things, you know? Uh, let's take a few more here. Uh, lover of the show, Sean Kemp asks, what do you think would be the funniest result? Not the best result, the funniest. What do you think, Ben? Um... I'm not really sure. Hmm. What if it was? <laughs> what if the only people who could form um, could form government was just a big coalition of all of the wildest um, I mean, single that issue would be parties? <laughs> what I really want is for the hemp party to form government and for Australia to deal with the fallout from that, which I believe would be catastrophic. Uh, planes falling out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Everybody's uh, ute getting repossessed. It'd be much like the film uh, Happy Hour, also released as Sour Grapes, in which a company releases a beer that is addictive and everyone's drunk all the time and society collapses, huh. uh, but for weed. Um, my I feel like my um, answer is really boring in that, like I said, I just want... Um, I want the Labour Party... Not not out of, like, loving the Labour Party, but I, I would like the Labour Party to be elected with an incredibly strong result that is hugely condemning of the Liberals and the Nationals. And then I want the Nationals and the Liberals to just fucking collapse. Um, a lot of people have been writing and speculating for some time about the potential for, you know, maybe there will be a split between the Liberals and the Nationals because... The Nationals have been getting destroyed at every state election because I think people are extremely sick of them being, I guess, um, just shackled to the Liberals on every policy, but they just don't do anything for people in rural areas. I mean, you can look at all of the stuff that's happened around like the, um, about the, around the Murray-Darling with all of the massive, um, massive deaths of all the, the cod and all the fish there and everything and all of the scandals around 
um, you know, buying up water and uh, pr- giving all the preferential treatment to, to irrigation um, over farmers and all that sort of stuff. And they are getting absolutely punished. Now, granted, people in those areas are instead giving their votes to, you know, the, the right wing parties. They're, they don't want to vote left and they don't want to vote green. So they give their vote to like the shooters and fishers and all that sort of shit instead. But like in the New South Wales election, there were like, you know, 15, 17% swings against the nationals in like all of their seats. And I just keep watching this with the very, very curious to see how long do they have to go just getting annihilated and losing all of their seats before they say, well, if we keep, if we keep ourselves chained to the liberals, then they're like, we'll just cease to exist as a party. You know, we could, we could break apart from the coalition and have, um, you know, maybe we would theoretically in the short term have less influence in the, the major sort of two, two party system. But if we keep going the way that we are, we will cease to exist as a party. Like, as far as I know, they are close to the threshold of like not even having enough seats to be able to sort of be considered a major party. Um, or to, uh, there, there's, there's something about the number of candidates you have to run to be like a, you know, a, a partner in a coalition. Um, so, you know, that, that is what would be both the best and the funniest result to me is just all out civil war within the liberal and the national parties and between those coalition partners themselves. Um, I would love for the right wing of the Liberal Party to split off and say, we're all joining um, Cory Bernardi's Conservative Party. Um, I just want the entire thing to get fragmented and splintered into um, small offshoot parties that then have extremely minimal influence. That's what I want to happen. I want to see Bill Shorten poop himself in his maiden speech. Yep. Um, and then uh, everybody everybody calls him Bill Shitten for the rest Bill, of the term. Bill, yep. Bill Shitten. Yep. Um, although finally it would be some real representation for several members on this podcast, I think. Yeah, well, true. Ooh, should we take a should we take a tough one here from lover of the show, Travis? Sure, I know what it says. Are you all campaigning or handing out uh, cards on election day, or are you scabs? He has asked me, and I have said yes. Um, <laughs> you are going to have to go outside to do that, though. Have to, yeah, You're have to talk to people. Talk to people when we say when we say outside. It is uh, as Ben can attest to, literally like fifteen meters away. <laughs> very close. Very, mm. very, very close. It's right there. Um, I have not. I have not done anything or volunteered to do anything because I'm a big piece of shit, big lazy piece of shit. Um, and also, I just, I'm at a point these days where I genuinely don't even know um, who, I'm, who I'm supporting in any significant way. I think usually my, my deal is just vote like Greens and then Labour and then on down. That's generally my deal. Um, I, f- I, feel, I feel like a lot of people probably are, are getting the vibe in this election of like, I, I would like to give my first preference to Labour because I really want them to get in and fucking stomp a big mud hole in the Liberal Party. I'd be very curious to see how it all shakes out and I've done very well with uh, not answering the question properly. Ben? Um, you know, I'm loath to call myself a scab. 
uh, certainly, but I have done absolutely nothing, and who knows if I will. Uh, and it's I not feel true, Ben. You're doing this podcast right now, and that's, <laughs> po- that's real activism. Podcasts are politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how politics Braver than the are. troops. Yep. Uh, who knows? I might change this. Travis, if you hear this before the election and you uh, uh, want to kick my ass, come I'm ready. over and kick it. Come over and fucking kick it, dude. Ben's ready to be punished. He's been a bad boy. Bent over, pants off, uh, slightly crouched so that it's <laughs> the foot's going to land in exactly the right spot. That's it. Ooh, okay. Okay. We've got, we got a really hairy one here. Lover of the show, Liam. Uh, Liam McCall says, Who gets your last preference? Disregarding Fraser Anning. So, obviously... Open Nazi Fraser Anning should be dead last for anyone and everyone um, and anyone from his party. But who gets your last preference out of the following? Uh, A. Pauline Hanson's One Nation. B. United Australia Party. C. Great Australia Party. D. Love Love Australia or Leave. Or E. Rise Up Australia. Who are you putting dead last out of all of them? That's a tough one. I think Love Australia or Leave maybe just because the name is the most evocative of someone that's a complete shithead yep yeah um i gotta go with rise up because it's clearly the most fascist option right like it's one step away from being like the crystal knocked party yeah yeah i mean yeah to to me rise up rise up australia from what i know about them they are like all of the worst parts of being like um a a hardcore um hardcore evangelical christians um and their their primary issue being um islam is going to murder us all um islam will kill us all in this country and we must combat the the spreading insidious threat um, and then they have a whole bunch of fucked positions outside of that but yeah they are definitely the most like openly naked like you know islam is a disease and we are the cure type type position um they're pretty fucked up um i feel like the great australia party has some terrible positions but also it's a rod collison joint so it's kind of it's just automatically like charmingly disheveled yeah <laughs> they'll they trip over their own dick yeah, on the way to the yeah, just bumbling foolishness if um, there is like some freak chance that he does get elected which won't happen he will find himself disqualified almost instantly yeah you should probably vote one for him <laughs> get him don't in that, and then see I, I exactly how he trips next. over his dick yeah <laughs> Like, gets yep. into Parliament and accidentally kills a guy. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm out. Oh, Ooh, okay. And we're going to close on this one because we have some. We have a number of other questions um, which are, like, variants on things that we've already answered. Um, but here's what we're going to end on. Um, friend of the show, Nand, says, uh, when during the night will um, hulking uh, 18-foot cryptid Anthony Green call the election the winner is the closest minute without going over so we are all to offer a time at which we think mm. closest without going over I I want to be really bold on this one I think because um, I think the, the liberals are going to get totally fucked I'm feeling really optimistic about this because um, as, as, as we all know the, the classic trope 
Oppositions don't win elections, governments lose them. And I think that this government, more than any in recent years, just has absolutely nothing to offer anyone. And um, they are just really in their flailing death throes. And all of the other state election results combined make me think that there is a just a huge anti-liberal uh, sentiment in the country at this point. So, I'm going to say, like... I'll be very bold here and say 8.45 p.m. Hmm. I'm going to go the other way uh, and say that it's going to take him three days to call the election. And during the entire time, he's going to be uh, like a pregnant person laboring to give birth. Uh, the whole time, he will spend it sweaty and in pain, mm-hmm. uh, uncomfortable, oh. screaming at all those around him uh, just to put an end to it. But he can't because uh, the, the elections, the results coming out feet first and we've got to spin that around. Um, it's going to take a very long time and then uh, when it eventually comes out, we're all going to be disappointed by the results. Well, um, yeah, I can really imagine all of the all of the creatures and birds of the forest flying away in fear at the at the loud guttural moans of gigantic Anthony Green labouring away in the deep dark woods. Mm-hmm. So, so Theo's prediction is not on the night. Three days and disgusting. All right. I well, I, th- I, th- I think that we can say that if if it passes midnight and the election hasn't been called, then it'll be yours. Thank you, Ben. Uh, wait, can I? Can I just get Theo to say three days and disgusting again? Three days and disgusting. Hey, I thought we were talking about uh, election <laughs> night, not your honeymoon. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> betrayed. You've been um, betrayed by your friend, Theo. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sure it was lovely. Um, what what time is the cutoff? When do they say, hey, tools down? We'll pick this up in the morning, boys. Uh, I think that's when you fall over. <laughs> <laughs> you come for the gig. You better not miss. Um, I, is it like 11? Is 11 when they stop? None of us know. I, I'm going to say 9.37, just to add a little pizzazz. All right, 8.45, 9.37, three days and disgusting. <laughs> Those are the predictions. We will give it to Theo if if we hit the tools down for the night. Ben has fallen and he can't get up. Um, portion of the evening will be awarded to Theo. Uh, I don't know what the award will be. Um, perhaps just some kind of trophy. I'd you like get, a trophy. Yeah, you get to be democracy champion. You get to um, take You get to take uh, Anthony Green's place and power um, in the forest. Hell yeah. So, that's it for this bumper edition of Election Watch. Uh, thank you for joining us. I guess we'll see how things shake out. Um, on the night of nights, which somebody asked, when is the election? And I believe it is um, the upcoming weekend. So get out there, cast your vote, exercise your rights, ignore all the people pushing those cards in your face, eat a sausage afterwards. You know? It's all for a good cause, and that good cause is... Democracy. You're absolutely right. Um, so thank you for joining us as always if you want to support the show or or get some extra bonus episodes or get access to the discord or watch some movies with us see Lucy's additional video bonus content whenever that turns up all that kind of jazz 
uh, you can sign up on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista. We appreciate the support. We love you all dearly. Thank you so much. Big kisses to all the friends, lovers, wives of the show. Wow. I'm also kissing Ben and Theo. Mwah, mwah, okay. Mwah. <laughs> Wetter than I thought. Yep. My beard is sopping wet. Oh, uh, no boy. one's explaining why. It's unclear as to what the fluid is. It's alarmingly viscous. And that will do us. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week, I guess, with the, with the results. We'll see how close we were. We will declare one of us the winner. And the other two will be pelted with rotten tomatoes and run out of town. So we can all look forward to that. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.